Would you turn with me to 2 Timothy? I've been continuing in my journey through, through uh, the chronological read, and so within the next few na- days, I need to read all of Revelation. Well, it'll be good to get the last chapter because we win, right? And Jesus is revealed all through that, that book. <clears throat> and the difficulty for me and the way that I process is that I get excited when I read things. I just want to give people the whole thing, you know. But I've been, I've been reading a whole lot of, if, if we're going to have problems with this one, we may end up going to the other mic. But, Cecile, will you go ahead and get that mic ready? Um, you may need to bring it over here or it might sing from over on that side. I'm glad y'all don't have to worry about sound system issues. But, uh, let, yeah, let's go ahead. I'm going to go to the handheld mic. I thought that we had remedied something this morning, or, and I was working on it this morning before you got here. But um, I, I was reading through the books of Timothy and, and Titus and, and just seeing God's goodness. God was so good, and, and, uh, I want, but there are some things that I feel like we need to put in place as we lean into this new, new year. And <clears throat> the interesting thing about the life of Jesus the interesting thing that we see about the life of Jesus is that there's never a circumstance or a situation or a confrontation or an attack or even a need that that came to Jesus that it seemed that where you find that Jesus was unprepared you never find him walking into a situation and see make it, and it seems that maybe he was surprised by it. It's always like he was ready for it. Why is that? Okay, well, he was the son of God, but he was living intentionally. He was not being surprised by things because he had he knew what he was called to do and he had things in place he was living intentionally he was not being broadsided by things uh sometimes we tend to be reactive we just kind of we kind of coast through life and when things happen to us we're shocked by it and we find ourselves kind of reeling and we're trying to regain our footing and then we're trying to get ourselves back established uh, but a lot of times it's because we are living to survive. We're living to exist, but we're not really living. We're not living intentionally and purposefully. You know, if we are pressing into the presence of the Lord and if we're spending time in God's word and if we are, uh, what I would love to see us do in this new year is to live with purpose moving into the new year and what God put on my heart about that is we're moving into 2020, and, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, let's live 2020 like it's the last year we have. What if 2020 is the last year that we have? If God's gracious, we'll have a 2021. But what if 2020 is the last year that we have? Now, I'm not assigning that to anybody and saying, this is the last year you've got. Sounds a little bit morbid. But let's live as though it is the last year that we have. Are there things about your life? Are there things about your planning for the future that are undone that you need to put into place? Are there things that you've been putting off because you felt like you've got 20 years or you felt like you've got 50 years? things that you have not put in place. Nobody's promised tomorrow. But let's lean into 2020 as though it is the last year. So with that intention, what would you do if 2020 was your last year or the last? this is the only year that we have to work with? Are there things that you would reconcile, relationships that you would reconcile? Are there people that you would search out to bring healing and say, look, I'm sorry for what I did. I know that what I did hurt you. I know that what I did crushed you. I know that what I did brought harm to your life. And I just want to say, I I can't mend all the pieces, but I do want to ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry for what I did. It was not my intention for things to turn out that way. And, And just to, are there, you know, the other side of that is that 
there are people that hurt us. And as long as we are, are willing to hold on to that hurt and not forgive them, those things still, if I can put it this way, those things still master us. Those events still control us. Those events still, still um, have chains around our life. They still hold us in bondage. Are we willing to still be, to live out our lives with, with events of our life being our master or controlling our destiny, controlling our future. In those situations, we have to be willing to forgive. Not seeking forgiveness, but be willing to forgive. God spoke to me about a, a long-held offense. Long-held, I was six months down the road, and I'd been praying and praying for God to straighten out this person and then the opportunity came for me able to, to be able to confront this person and talk to them about how they had hurt me and really kind of challenge them. And God said, yes, I do want you to speak to them, but I want you to ask their forgiveness. And I'm like, what? I want you to ask them to forgive you for, for holding unforgiveness in your heart for what they did. And I was angry. I'm not the one that did something. They're the one that hurt me. They're the one that were offensive. They're the one that spoke harshly towards me. And the Lord said, but you held unforgiveness. It's your sin. And when I spoke to the individual, I'd for six months been living with this sense of, of righteous indignation and sense of I have, you know, I've been offended and I have a right to be angry with that person. And when I went and spoke to them, you know what? <clears throat> they said, I don't even remember that. I don't even recall that. What are you talking about? I, I don't remember that circumstances. And I realized it made me angry then. And I'm like, I've been living with this thing all this time. And it's been bothering me. And I've been burdened by it. What was it doing? It was mastering me. It was over my life. It was controlling me. It had become Lord over me. Because I had held on to an offense. Do you want to walk into 2023? Then be willing to let go. Be willing to forgive. And let God's grace season your life. I know that at this time of the year, it is, it is uh, common among people. I don't know. If you guys get into this or not, or some of you may frown on it, but anybody here set New Year's resolutions? Not anymore. <laughs> do you ever resolve to do something? Do you ever resolve to make some kind of change in your life? Do you ever resolve to raise the bar in your life and do more, change something? put some pieces on the, do you ever evaluate yourself? In that sense, the end of the year may not be your time to do it, but I hope that there's some point in your year or in your life, maybe it's around your birthday. I, I tend to, around my birthday, I want to dedicate myself to the Lord. He gave me life. I want to give myself to the Lord, and I do. I look at myself at that time, and I'm like, Lord, what would you change? What do you want to do? And the end of the year I, th intentionally this year I've been looking at that too. From a physical standpoint, are there things that I want to change? And that's a yes. Um, I, I have, I'm carrying around a little bit more than I'd like to carry around. I've got a goal for this next year. It was the same goal from last year. <laughs> but intentionally, that intention is there. I want to do that. And so creating an action plan towards achieving that from a, a, a health perspective and an exercise perspective. There's a, a mark there that I'm headed towards. I may not be at that mark right now, but maybe if I didn't have that mark last year, I could have been higher up than where I am right now. You know, but having the intention to reach that mark helps provide a motivation and a direction. So if you don't have any kind of direction or don't have any kind of goal, then... You're like a ship out in the ocean without a sail. There's no rudder involved. You're just kind of being blown around by whatever circumstances or life. Do, are we living intentionally? Do you have a plan? 
And that may, with regards to your physical being, have to do with exercise or rest or your weight or, or your diet or, or things like that. There may be goals. Maybe you want to work out and, and uh, all those type of things. But we ought to have goals for our, our, our soul, too, and, and for our spirit person. Now, I define soul as your mind, your, 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 you know, your, your, your thinking, your personality, who you are. Personal growth. Do you press in with regards to personal growth? Do you want to change your attitude? Are there attitudes that need to be different about your life? What about your state of mind? Do you, do you feel worthy? Do you feel good about yourself? Do you approach life with a sense of, of acceptance in the eyes of the Lord, or do we approach when you, when you press in, I was reading the book of Hebrews this week and seeing how we have a high priest that's, that he has sacrificed once and for all. The price for everything that we ever messed up and everything that was ever against us has already been paid for. It is finished because he went before the throne on our behalf. He offered himself on our behalf. Therefore, we can come with confidence before the Lord, it says. We don't have to come with a sense of fear that somehow we're going to be judged or God's going to cast us out or God's going to come with punishment towards us, but we can come with confidence knowing that God loves us because we have such a high priest. It's done. There's no more need for sacrifice. Do you realize there's nothing you can do that's going to earn God's love for you? It's done. He loves you, therefore he sent his son. And Christ died on our behalf. How many of you have reached a spiritual place in your life where you're okay with where you are? You're, you're as mature as you ever want to be. You, you've reached the place that other people just need to look up to you. <laughs> I, I remember someone said one time that they like to give people kind of like this measure and say, you know, when you compare yourselves, which we're not supposed to, but compare yourself to other people, where on a scale of spirituality would you put yourself? You know, they'll do that, and then they'll say, well, now where would you put Jesus? And, of course, that's going all the way to the, Jesus is going to be at the, the, the high end of that scale. And then they say, well, where would you put Paul? You know, start making it measurable, and start, after a while you start looking at these heroes of the faith, and you realize, well, I may not be quite as far along the amazing thing about spiritual maturity is there's always another step up until we are like him, until we're like Christ. There's always a, another step up. And if we ever get to the place, and, and uh, I speak this over myself, I, speak there, I don't know how long you've been walking with the Lord. I don't know how high you've climbed Jacob's ladder in getting to heaven. I don't know how far you've gone in your walk with the Lord, how much you've experienced, how much of the scripture you know and, 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 and taken to heart, but there's always more. So don't settle for less. There should always be a push. Kindle afresh the desire to grow spiritually and to press in deeper in the Lord. Stir yourself up and move deeper. We've got to be, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not, there is no just staying at the same place spiritually. If you're staying at the same place, the, the fire is waning away. We've got to press deeper. Let's go to 2 Timothy, and we're going to start in, in chapter 1. Paul speaking to Timothy, strangely enough, that's why it's called Timothy. And in chapter 1, verse 6, he says this. Verse 5, he says, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you. So Paul speaking to Timothy is, look, Timothy, You've got a spiritual foundation that's been passed down to you. And uh, when I was reading that, I just was thinking about us. And, and so we're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
verse 5. Can I just get a show of hands from you? How many folks here are the, the first ones in your family to accept Jesus? How many of you are the first generation people to accept Jesus? Praise be to the Lord that God changed the bloodline through you. That God has given you the opportunity to, to pass to the, the generations. And, and not just that, Ralph, but to pass up line to help your family members to come to know the Lord. But God intersected your life so that people around you could come to know the Lord. God bless you. You are, can I say, an Abraham. You are starting a, a, a nation through you, that through the seed that God put inside of you, that he is expanding and creating a, a new nation of people serving the Lord. Now it's a nation among a nation. But that God's using you to be a Lois, as expressed in this scripture right here, that, that you're the grandmother, you're, you're the, the grandfather, you're passing to those who will follow you a godly heritage. How many of you are second generation, that your parents were the first ones? Anybody? Second generation? How many of you have come from a, a line of people who have known the Lord, who've walked with the Lord? Thank the Lord for that. You know what's amazing in that? I, I'm, and I'm a recipient of that also, and I thank the Lord for that. But uh, Paul challenges, talks to, to Timothy and says, look, don't get caught up in meaningless genealogies. Don't, don't take what I found for myself was there came a time in my life where I could not follow on the skirt tails of my parents. I, I, not that my dad wore skirts. But I couldn't just drift along in his shadow spiritually. We all have to have our own walk with the Lord. But that's a blessing to come from a godly heritage because there are things that there's been a generation before that has already begun establishing some things and letting go of some things, letting some things of the world go so that a household can be a godly household so that you can grow up in a place where you're not having to let go of habit patterns and things like that that have come generationally to you. If you're growing up in a spiritual household, there's already things that are being established in you with regards to principles and values and, and things like that that you can just perpetuate on into a next generation. God, God um, the beautiful thing is that God can start from square one and start building a, a beautiful heritage. But he says, he says here that that sincere faith that was expressed in Timothy's grandmother and in his mother, that Paul's now persuaded that it lives in him also. That same, that same faith is there. Then he goes on in verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Now, I went and did a little bit of reading trying to find out how far in Timothy's spiritual life was this book written to him because the presumption is that we don't really know how old he was, but we know that Timothy was between age 14 and another estimation that he was between age 14 and 24 when Paul first picked him up and took him on a missionary journey. So when he began knowing Paul, when he began traveling with Paul, that he was around between 14 to 24. But he was a young man. This book apparently was written about 20 years later. So whatever age he was at that time, he was 34 to 40, somewhere around there at the time that this book was written to him. But he'd been walking with the Lord with, with some, for some time, and yet Paul is speaking to him here, and he's still challenging him to, to fan the flame, the gift that's inside of him. Fan to flame the gift that's inside of you that was given to you by the laying on of hands. And, you know, if I could just describe to you my perspective on the body of Christ, I went out Christmas shopping in, this, this, uh, in the last few weeks, and I saw something beautiful that I thought, I would love to be able to get that for Cecile. It was one of these, I don't exactly know how to, I don't know what the term is. Y'all can fill me in with regards to details. But it was one of these necklaces that is, you know, it starts up here and it's like a V that comes down. And it was just full of diamonds. I mean, the whole, what, waterfall? Is that a good term? Can we do that? Like a, 
a waterfall V of, of diamonds. Is that a pretty good, I don't know what, is there another term for it? But you get in the picture, right? But it had big, like, fingernail-sized stones in that thing. It was awesome. I, I would love to get something like that from my wife because that would just be beautiful. And it only cost $39. <laughs> but, I'm, you know, I'm a big spender, so I, I didn't get that one. <laughs> um, the next part of that was I didn't know when you would really be interested in wearing that. But, um, I mean, it wasn't diamonds, obviously. But, but I saw that thing, and, um, you know, there's options. There's that type of thing, the big waterfall necklace. It really sparkled. It really looked good. Uh, other than the fact that obvious that that would be a, for it to be real diamonds would be a, a bit of a challenge to purchase. Most people would look at that and say, that's beautiful, but it's obviously not diamonds. Um, but, you know, there's other options where there's like a, a, a solitaire diamond pendant type of thing. I didn't get that either. Sorry, honey. But this, the solitaire, well, there's this one diamond just shining, and, and it's, it's beautiful. It has its own beauty. But when I think about the body of Christ, I, I don't think about a solitaire pendant. I think about that waterfall of, of beauty that each stone in its own right has its own beauty, its own radiance, its own sparkle, that there is a divine fire on the inside. They talk about diamonds having fire, that there, that sparkles in there. And uh, depending on how the cut's there, that it's able to capture a light and refract the light out so that you see those brilliant tones and be beautiful colors that are all contained within the white light. But when the light hits it just right, it just comes out in a radiant spray of color. You know what I'm talking about, right? But each stone has the ability to do that, its own type of light. And when I think about the body of Christ, that's the way I perceive what God wants as the expression of his life inside of us. It's not a, a solitaire type of experience where there's one that shines, that everybody's attention is focused there. But I believe that God's put a gift inside of each one of us, and his desire is that the spray, the radiance of what God's doing in your life and what God's doing in your life or what God's doing in your life and that God's radiance is his, the light from the Lord is refracted through us, our experience with him, and it becomes a radiant expression of who, who, of who he is. And as God works in all of us, that together he is glorified. If we try to stand out like a solitaire, the tendency is to look at the solitaire and say, my, isn't that amazing? But when God is glorified in all of us, that he would be lifted up all the more. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but I had a friend. Oh, I had a friend a few years ago. I hope I remember where those are. Um, had a friend a few years ago who called me, and he was working in a church, and he was describing to me about how uh, the pastor was encouraging everybody. It was from a different cult. The pastor was from a different culture, and from his culture, he had been uh, inherited the throne of the culture in the country that he came from. And having inherited the throne... In that country, he had come back to the U.S. to continue pastoring his church, but now he wanted everybody in his church to call him his majesty or your majesty. When you addressed him, you called him your majesty. He was the pastor of the church, but everybody in the church had to call him your, his majesty, and it's a different culture, so I'm not going to focus on that, but <clears throat> what I, my, my question to my friend, my long-term friend was, can I ask a question? I said, is, is your pastor concerned about everybody serving him or helping to create a platform for him to be able to minister, or is he concerned about the development of the body and that you grow into your gifts and that you're developing? And his wife got upset with him and told him not to call me in again, uh, again because... Folks, 
It's about the body of Christ developing. It's about us, you and I, growing in our gifts. I am not complete in my development in the Lord. You're not complete in your development in the Lord. As, as I was working through these things and thinking through these things, I, again, and God has visuals for me that he takes me back to and things that he has planted in my life, and you know, it becomes my own personal revelation and helps me grow. But I keep going back to that acorn. You know, I've talked about that before, but that acorn, what is that? Is that, that acorn, what do we see when we see an acorn? Do we see an acorn that we can quickly just squash under our foot? Do we see a, something that fell off a tree? And it's, or do we see with God's perspective and understand that acorn is a forest? It's a, it is a huge tree and it's all right. It's not grown yet, but the potential is all there. Everything is there for that acorn, every DNA every from the spiritual side of things, if I can speak about our life, from the spiritual side of things, God has put the seed of his purpose inside each of our lives, his intention towards us, what he has planted inside of us through, through the gospel and through his Holy Spirit being inside. He has provided for us the beginning. The extent to which we will fulfill that purpose and grow up to be the mature being that God created us to be and the potential to which, uh, the degree to which we will be able to propagate what God puts inside us in the lives of other people is dependent on what we are willing to let him accomplish in us. He's given us what we need. But how far are we willing to yield ourselves to the purpose of God? 2020. How far are we willing to yield ourselves to the purpose of God so that God can accomplish in us what he intended? I want to revisit this image with you. I mean, we got this visual of a Christmas tree, so we'll use it up here. I don't know what happened to the lights at the top. That was something new for this morning, I guess. Needs some reworking. <clears throat> but pretending that this was a real tree, okay, because it's not. But if that were a real tree, what are you looking at when you see that tree? What are you really seeing demonstrated can, can I can I just what you're seeing is the word or the DNA that was in the seed the word of God God's intention toward towards us God's plan God's purpose that was activated in soil that soil looked nothing like a tree there was no part of that soil that looked like the tree. But as the soil yielded to the DNA that was in the seed, there was a transformation that was brought about, and that transformation created a tree. The process of transformation, all the nutrients, all the minerals, all the things that went into that tree came from earth. It was yielded dirt. But there was a process involved that it involved that seed. That seed was giving direction. The seed that had been given was giving direction. The spiritual DNA that's put into our lives, what God births inside of us, gives direction to transformation in our lives and is able to produce inside of us what reflects the seed, which is Christ. So everything that we see in a tree that's not what was to begin with, but what God's producing us. He's taken the raw material of our life that to us may be dirty and disgusting, but as we're, if we're willing to yield what we have to him and his purpose, God will produce what he desires inside of us. It's all laid up in the seed. It's all in the word that is Christ. And as we yield ourselves to transformation, the process inside of us, God will over time produce the likeness of Christ inside of us. And that's the goal. God's recreating the image that we were put in the earth for. God's working through us to accomplish his purposes.
So Paul speaks to Timothy. He says, look, Timothy, there were hands laid on you. There was a gift put inside of you. You know, having a gift doesn't do any good unless you have obedience. Having a gift doesn't do any good unless you've got a willingness. Having a gift will never produce one ounce of fruit, won't produce any, won't accomplish anything unless there's a willingness. Is there a giving of ourselves? Is there a laying down of our lives, of our lives, so that we can allow his life to come in through us? But he says, he, he speaks to him and he says, I remind you to fan to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying out of hands. And any time, let me just speak this to you. Anytime God gives a gift, there will be opposition to that gift. Anytime God has an intention in your life, there will be opposition to that. You think the enemy wants you to develop? You think the enemy wants Christ to be seen in you? So don't consider it unusual that there is opposition to your fruitfulness or to your maturity. But we have to make a decision. Are we, will we believe God or will we yield to the opposition. It may be a process. It may be a journey. There may be easier times and there may be harder times. But let me tell you this. The enemy will never release you until you press through. And so therefore, Paul writes to Timothy and he speaks to him here. He says, look, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity in the NIV. or God didn't give us a spirit of fear. What, what holds you back? What roadblocks? What is the roadblock that keeps you from fulfilling the purpose that God has for your life? Is it woundedness and brokenness from the past? Is it a sense of unworthiness? Does the enemy hold guilt over you and tell you that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy enough? Do you feel like that maybe your circumstances aren't right and maybe you've been caged in and hemmed in and it may work for somebody else, but it won't work for you because there are barriers to your life? Are you embarrassed? Are you afraid? Are you intimidated? Are you struggling with timidity when it comes to sharing your faith? Paul speaks directly to that. He said, look, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. God didn't give you a spirit of timidity. If the enemy could hold us back with that, he certainly will. And we can frame that in a different, if we will allow him to hold us back with that, he certainly will. He will intimidate. He will come against us. But we have to make the decision whether or not we will believe the enemy or whether or not we will believe the Lord says God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind or a self-disciplined mind. God gave us the ability. God gave us what we need to overcome. We just have to make sure we're listening to the right, right voice. Amen? I've got several things written down here, but I'm, I, I'm, I don't want <clears throat> to. We're all headed towards a day. There, there's a day coming for every one of us. Where we're going to stand before the Lord. Grace is going to be abundant because look, can I just tell you this? There's not one of us that has it right. There's not one of us in here that is, can say, look at me, I'm the best example. It's amazing to me that Paul would say, follow me as I follow Christ. But discipleship is always an upward climb. It's always a pressing deeper. We, we can be an example in certain ways and people can follow us. But folks, there's, there's not one person I know other than Jesus who lived a perfect life. Every one of us can get better. Every one of us can grow deeper. I think the greatest challenge that, that we have generationally today 
is the use of our time. I think one of the greatest challenges for our spiritual accomplishment, for the fulfillment of our lives, is how we use our time. Because we have more to fill our time And there's all kinds of good, there's all kinds of bad there also, but there's all kinds of things that just fill our time, to take up our time, and, and we can stay busy with doing nothing. Is anybody here, do y'all like, do y'all like um, pancake syrup? Anybody? I like a little pancake syrup. I like a lot of pancake syrup. But you know what? If somebody gave me enough pancake syrup and said, look, you can have all the pancake syrup you want, but you're going to have to drink it all the time. That that's the only thing you get to drink. After a while, I don't want... Just, it all just automatically turns the stomach, right? Can't imagine doing that all the time. It would be gross. I mean, okay, a glass? I don't even want to do a glass. But to think about it showing up at the next meal, and every time you're thirsty, the only thing you can get is pancake syrup. After a while, I mean, even right now, I'm already out, right? I'm done with that. <clears throat> if What if somebody told you that you could have, I'm trying to think of things that, that we like or that might be fulfilling. I, I like food. We'll go back to food. What if somebody said you can have all the food that you want, as much as you want, all the time, day or night? What would we do? Would we sit there and eat? It would be, when you're hungry, that'd be great. Just sit down and get everything that you want. It's almost like being on a cruise ship, right? But at what point do you get to the point where I just, I don't want any more of that. I can't handle any more of that. It's too much. And it just the tank is full. I don't want that. I mean, would you eat your life into oblivion? At some point, you would stop. And uh, uh, I've been I've been uh, reading some things, listening to some things. Hey, just let me just pass this along to you, okay? I want to encourage you to resource yourself with a website called discipleship.org. If any, I don't know if any of y'all have heard of that, but it's worthy of looking up. It's worthy of getting involved with their podcast. There's good materials there. This, there's multiple groups that have come together to help put together programs. There are different groups that have their own program, but they have methods for helping to disciple people. The podcasts are awesome. I've been leading, reading, um, Ralph, you remember the Breaking the Chains article that I sent over? Well, they've got the audio of that on there, Breaking the Chains of Addiction. Um, and I've been listening to some of their podcasts. It's just really good materials. Now, how did I get there? We were talking about syrup and food and things like that. What I'm trying to get to is this. Look, we need to start exercising discernment that we're not just filling our time with good things, but that we are filling our times with the things that will help us accomplish what we need to accomplish with life. It's very possible that... <coughs> We get caught up with things that are entertaining, that are fulfilling, or, or not fulfilling, but things that, that, that feel good to us at the time, but it's just eroding away life. We're supposed to be living intentionally with purpose. God's got a plan for our life. Are we concentrating on living that life, or are we being caught up in drinking syrup? It's just bringing harm to us. It may be sweet to us for the day, but we're going to get to the point where we realize that I've consumed my time, and I have not fulfilled what God had me to do. Are we willing to, I mean, I'm thankful for what God did in, in 2019, but can I just say there are things that are, I have left undone. I did not accomplish this year. I can't say that I didn't have enough time because God says 24 hours in a day and seven days a week is enough time for anybody. God didn't say, you need 26, and you can do with 22. He said, no, if I've called you to do something, 24 hours is enough. How are you doing it, working at what God gave us to do? God's plan's perfect. Nobody has more than 24 hours in a day. And God doesn't expect us to be able to accomplish something that takes more than that. If we've got more in our life than what we can get done in a 24-hour day, 
We've got too much in our day. We're trying to work on too many things. So we need to work on our use of our time. Are we using our time? Are we getting caught up in things that are stealing our time? Are we intentional? Do we have an understanding of what we should be doing with our life, and are we doing those things? I've got some projects that the Lord put in my heart a long time ago that aren't done yet. And we're coming to the end of the year, and God's refreshing and saying, focus on this. Just the other day, I got up in a filing cabinet in the house, and I found some materials that I began working on a long time ago that match up with some things that I've had on my heart to do, and I'm thinking, God, you were working on those things in me a long time ago, and here you brought that piece of the puzzle back to me for this time so that I can work intentionally on it for the new year. Because it's God's purpose and timing. We're coming to a point in time. God's got some things he wants to do through us. And I'm going to just move to, to closing with this. Look. Oh, okay. Your obedience to the Lord may involve learning. But if your learning is just filling your tank and there's no obedience following from that, obedience and learning are not necessarily the same. Our learning should create a doing. Do you realize that this is going to rock some people's world? I mean, this is part of our experience in the Lord is that we should be worshiping. We should be worshiping the Lord. But if we only worship the Lord, do you realize we can have great services when we come together in the church and we can worship the Lord and it can be wonderfully fulfilling for us, but if, if that doesn't follow that we have obedience in our life when we leave here, and I, I may be pigeonholing worship because worship is not just music and song and interaction with the Lord like that. Worship is also how we live our life, but we need to have obedience also. Jesus, I mean, God said in God's word that, that obedience is better than sacrifice. To stand up before the Lord and say, Lord, you're great, you're wonderful, you're honorable, you're God, I thank you for what you've done in my life, but then we're not turning around and be obedient to what we've been called to do. We need to make sure we're being obedient also. So I need to come back to this because I, I can't finish out the year without, without focusing on this. But God put on my heart for us in this coming year. And for some of you, this may be too small. For some of you, this may be a real challenge. But God put on my heart that he wants us to focus on impacting one person for the Lord. Impact one. Okay, I know our church name is involved in that, and I believe that's intentional by the Lord too. But to impact one person for the Lord. My prayer, number one, is that God will stir up the gift that he's put inside of us. God's put resources inside of you to be able to reach somebody. If you're a brand new baby in the Lord, you've got a testimony. You have a word inside of you. If you've been walking with the Lord for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, and you feel deficient like you don't have a word inside of you, that's not God. That's a spirit of timidity holding you back because there's a richness inside of you. There's a reservoir of faith. There's a life of experience and testimony inside of you. If you'll just share what God's put inside of you. I, I, I was blessed to hear something the other day. I was, I was listening to some people on that discipleshop.org, but people who, who minister to people who have been through sexual abuse and, and, and all kinds of uh, um, uh, things in that, in that order, and people's struggles with addiction. And they talked about Jesus and how, isn't it interesting that when Jesus was resurrected that he still had the scars? Why were the scars still there? When he was made whole, made alive again, why were there scars still there? And they were saying, because Jesus realized that those scars were necessary for a Thomas to be able to touch and believe, to be able to see that, yes, it was the same one, but that, that restoration had come to him, 
that they could identify that. And can I just can I just say to you, don't be afraid of your scars. The fact that there is a scar means that there once was an open wound. But the healing has come. There's been a restoration. There may still be an area that's showing. There may be something that identifies the fact that one time there was a brokenness, that there was a hurt, that there was a pain, that there was a piercing that went on. But the scar becomes a testimony. What was once a place of wounding becomes a place, a, a message for the Lord. You can take your place of hurt, your place of pain, and be able to share that story with someone that's going through it, and they can take hope that maybe God can take their wound and, and heal it, and they too will have a testimony. I'm praying this over you. Number one, that God will activate the gifts that he's put inside of us because every one of us has a radiance and a fire of God inside of us. Every one of us has a, a demonstration of the light of Christ to come through us. And another thing I'm saying, Lord, identify to us that individual that this year we need to focus our attention on, that we will pray for them, but we'll do more than just pray, that we will put our prayers into action and reach that person for the Lord. And then begin the journey. Look, this doesn't sound evangelical, but Your salvation is not the end of God's purpose for your life. That's the beginning of God's purpose for your life. A lot of churches about getting, are good about getting people to, to salvation, but there's more than just salvation. There's maturity. And God, God wants to save you so that he can walk you into his purpose for you and mature you in the faith so that you can grow up into Christ and you can be the person he created you to do. It's not just about salvation. I'm not diminishing salvation, but I want people to understand that there's more. And when we get people saved, we shouldn't just get people saved and then leave them where they are. We should walk with them in the journey of salvation so that they can start to mature in who they are in the Lord. And you know what was beautiful to me in reading uh, uh, through the, the, the books that I've been reading is that I see the dependence that the new believers had on the Holy Spirit, that they relied on the Holy Spirit to give them insight and wisdom to navigate things that they didn't necessarily, at that time, even have scriptures to guide them in. They needed the Holy Spirit. That intimacy with the Holy Spirit as our equipper, as our teacher, and our trainer giving us wisdom is vital. If you're intimidated at thinking that maybe I don't know how to disciple, I don't know how to lead someone into maturity in the Lord, then I want to encourage you to focus on developing your intimacy with God and the Holy Spirit. Learn to hear his voice. Learn to follow his leading. And God will lead us into some amazing things. Look, 2020, did I say that right? 2020, I'm excited more than anything about what we're going to see God do in this next year. Let's gear up, let's saddle up, let's get ready to go and let God do what he wants to do through us. God's going to change some people's lives. I want him to start with me. I'm making myself an offering to the making an offering of myself to the Lord in the beginning of the year and making myself available so that he can work through me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you, dear God, for all that you did in this past year. Lord, I thank you for the people that were reached by our evangelism team, dear God, by the relationships that were established. Dear God, for the prayers that were prayed, I thank you for, for healings that were manifest. God, I thank you for how you encouraged your saints, dear God, and you stirred a, a fresh wave of boldness in them to be able to pray and to be able to speak and to be able to reach people for you. God, I want to thank you, Lord, for what you accomplished God, when we had that day in the park, family fun day in the park, dear God, and how you reached people there, dear Lord, and how you blessed our community. God, I want to thank you for the Whirly Gig Festival, Lord, and the people that got prayed for and ministered to and blessed down there. God, I thank you for what you did on Barton College campus, dear God. Lord, I want to thank you for preserved marriages, dear Lord, and, and healed bodies in this place, dear God. I want to thank you for people that came to know you and gave their lives to you. 
But God, last year is not enough, Lord. We're leaning into a new year right now. And, and God, I pray that just like what we've been talking about this morning, Lord, would you stir up the gifts that are inside of us, dear God. Timothy was given a command, dear Lord. He was given imperative to fan the flame. It's our responsibility, dear Lord, to recognize that there's a gift there and it's worthy to be nurtured and nourished and fanned to flame. God, so help us, dear Lord, to press in and stir up that gift. And then, God, would you ignite purpose inside of us and put a person on our hearts, dear God, a person in our lives that we recognize that this is a mission from heaven. God, that we are here intentionally to be able to reach that person for you, to pray for them, yes, dear God, but also to speak into their lives. Don't keep it at an arm's length, dear God, that we're going to wrap our arms around them, dear God, to take them in a big hug, dear Lord, and, and walk alongside them as they journey the journey of faith. God, I pray for souls for your kingdom, dear God. I pray for you to populate heaven this year with people that are coming to know you. And God, use us as vessels to do that. Lord, to help us not to be content to let the time pass without it happening, dear Lord, that we would press in. God, I speak blessings over your people. Be closer than ever in this new year to us, dear Lord. Help us to grow more than we ever had before. Lord, help us to be intentional on in how we live our lives for you. And God, may you be glorified in all that's accomplished, dear Lord Jesus. Lord, we give ourselves to this end, dear Lord. Use us up, dear God, so that you can be glorified. Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' holy name. Be lifted up, Lord. Be lifted up. Amen and amen. <laughs>